Welcome to this week's episode of the Sullivan and Sons Sports Podcast. I'm Seamus Sullivan. And I'm Mark Sullivan. So I came across an interesting, it's kind of like a poll, was kind of like a sports article. Basically, the title is, uh, or, or like the preface of it, the premise of it is, if you could play for a Major League Baseball team, and you'd get paid basically your regular salary is what they said. You wouldn't be making big league money. Uh, would you do it? Because the point was the team, they, they mentioned the Marlins, could basically get a million dollars per game that you played in payroll flexibility or something like, along those lines. Okay. And they're very cheap. And so uh, you playing for them would help them open up cap space. And it was saying, would you play? Even though you'd probably be embarrassed, your teammates wouldn't really like you. And you'd play in like left field or something, see little, little or no action. Would you do it? Yes. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and I think there's some assumptions there that are probably somewhat, uh, you know, questionable. You know, I think the fact that how you know the the players or someone else will treat you is open to question. I think the players are very likely not to respect you. Um, and certainly that would probably lead to certain types of treatment, but I think you also could earn their respect by, uh, you know, working appropriately as a major league player in terms of the time you put in to at least improve your skill set to be playing there. And, you know, so I, I, I think some of those are, there's some of the question, some of the things are questionable about their assumptions. Uh, but even given their assumptions, yeah, it would be just a fun, phenomenal opportunity to play something you love and actually get paid for it and a reasonable income. Right. And I, I know because some of their assumptions were, oh, you know, the the average walk rate, even if you never swing, is like 4% or something. And how many balls are hit to left field is only this percent. I'm like, teams would totally... T- Number one, I don't think any pitcher in the majors is going to walk a guy if he's not swinging. If you stood there and did not swing, and, and then they know that you have absolutely, well, not absolutely, but very minimal threat because of the fact that you're not even a major leaguer, I think they will throw just That's meat true. balls there. And even if you could hit one, you'd probably still get out. Right. <laughs> and then if they wanted to, they'd just throw you a couple nasty breaking pitches and you'd swing at those too and then strike out. And then the whole left field thing, I'm like every single hitter would be pulling it to left field or trying to inside they would do anything in their power to get that ball to left field because even if it was just a huge pop fly you're probably still not catching it true they uh, you know they would provide some interesting dynamics of back and forth with maybe some other types of shifts you know they spoke about shield uh the center shading the uh, center fielder to to left field and and i think that you know honestly trying to pull it to left field in the air I think that he's right. Most average people probably could pick up a, a fly ball to left field and, and, and catch it. I, it actually brings up to me a more fascinating point, which from the, the metrics that he put in there made me start thinking about a ploy that I've only seen done a few times, and I don't remember can recall having seen it done more recently, is where a team... And in the case that I saw was the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, they wanted to keep Fernando Venezuela in the game, but they didn't want him to pitch to a particular player. So they brought in a pitcher, and rather than removing Venezuela from the game, they put him in left field. 
uh, for at least one, you know, one at bat, and I think it was maybe one or two. And if you know anything about Fernando Venezuela, I don't know if you've seen him. He was not the most athletic pitcher. He he is a little bigger of a guy. He he carried a little bit around the midsection. Was he a Bartolo Cologne? No, he was not a Bartolo Cologne. Um, and he wasn't a Terry Forrester, who David Letterman once taught, called on his show a big fat tub of goo. Um, <laughs> and and he ended up on his show as part of an apology that David Letterman was issuing to him, but. To me, it was fascinating, the metrics of left field. And if you wanted to keep, you know, if you wanted to avoid the whole, I'm losing this pitcher in a lefty-righty switching situation, I'm surprised someone like Joe Madden hasn't considered making that type of, making that type of recognizing the low probability of balls being hit to left field, which it worked in the case with Fernando Valenzuela. They didn't have anything hit to him. He just stood out there for a, and a bat or two and then came back in and continued to pitch. Uh, what did they do with that other relief pitcher? They he came in, out of the game. And, and a new defensive player came in for the guy that... Correct. Okay. Yeah. Because that would be the only issues. You'd, you'd probably run out of pinch hitters or pinch fielders eventually. True. And, and, and this is a... Seat, fielder, this was a... Uh, you know... Your left fielder is usually a power hitter, isn't he? Right. I, again, you know... Probably I don't know. You would have to work through some of those. There are some there's some trade offs that are clearly there, but I think of a situation where if you, you know, if you wanted to, you could be swapping the the pitcher back and forth from left field to the mound. If it was a left righty situation, just keep going back and forth between the two. Um, that would be be fascinating to, to to experiment with. I guess it could also work better, maybe in a situation like with the American League, because what you could do potentially is have both pitchers stay in the game and one has to bat in the eight or nine spot, but you still have your DH that would cover for the other pitcher. Right. So you'd only be sacrificing one at bat. So it would basically be like a National League sort of setup where you still have a pitcher batting as one out of your nine guys. Well, and the thing in that situation is if if they played it right, uh, in most of those situations, it's a, hey, first batter's left, second batter's right, third batter's left, next inning's left. And you you probably could get through a couple innings with them switching back and forth mm-hmm. and not even have to bat them. By the time you got to his place in the batting order, you could... you Pinch could hit for him. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't... That's kind of was, was what my thinking was, but... Uh, my, the, the, the part that I was going to say is his article kind of reminded me of my college baseball career <laughs> because <laughs> that's almost exactly how it went is I, people don't know this, but I hadn't played baseball since third grade, organized baseball. I had always played, we'd always played catch together. So I had a lot of throwing and catching experience, not a lot of batting experience. In fact, my first ever uh, at bat against live pitching was in a college baseball game. I mean, there was practice as well, but in terms of I went from whatever machine pitch at 35 miles an hour, mm. obviously I had done some batting cage goofing around. Oh yeah. And we had done quite a, my uh, live well, I don't want to say quite against, a bit. We had stepped into the yeah. batting cage in Rochester so, once or twice with yeah. it at 90 miles an hour. <laughs> Just hacking away. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it was, it was pretty funny, but yeah, that was my experience is, I didn't really do a whole lot, and 
I had a lot of fun just hanging out with guys on the bench mostly. But that's what it reminded me of. And I didn't think it was funny because the way this article is written is it wrote about it, then had a poll question. Would you do it? Yes or no. And then it basically said, this is everything that you'd have to do. And how humiliating would it be? Would you still do it? And the number did drop slightly. I think it was like 10. Well, it went from like 98% would to play in a major league game down to 88. And then he asked it a third time after saying, or, oh, the, the third question was, would you come back for a second season? <laughs> if they want. I would. I mean, again, there's a, again a lot of conditions in terms of what happened in that season and everything else. But yeah, pay me to play. And then sure. that last one was uh, it dropped only by a percent. So only only a percent of all the people that answered were like, I'd do it for one season, but not for two. But I, I thought it was. I said yes to all three. Did you? Did you take the poll? As you, uh, I did. I'm even trying to click on it now, and it's not giving me the percentages. I wanted okay. to see the percentages. I don't know if and, it's and not working with my. I guess those will change as more people do it. But it was at like ten thousand people had done it by the time I took it. So it's not like they could change a whole lot unless a bunch of different people took it. So I just thought that was funny because, and I would I would do that honestly for any sport. I play. Well, I might not do football because you could get seriously hurt in football being a normal person out there. Yeah. That I, one, I think basketball would probably be the most humiliating. Basketball for, would be because it's hard, you, you'd, you'd be, be so hard to find yourself. And for me, hockey would be the, hard. unless well, I played even goalie. I mean, yeah. I'm like I'd be shuffling around. I wouldn't come near <laughs> the puck the entire game. So I, I was like, I'd do it for any sport. And I, I'm I'm trying now. Now it's making me think. What do you think the easiest to cover up for? That? Maybe soccer. Baseball would be the easiest. You think baseball would be right? Not yeah. soccer, where you could just kind of strand that guy somewhere, nowhere. You know, soccer probably falls in the same bucket. I don't think it would be as e- It probably would be easier for the team to cover because it's not unusual for a team to have a guy down because they get a red card. Right. Uh, so they. That was my thinking, basically, is they always play as nobody gets a red card because then we're two guys down, basically. So they, they, you probably could have provided some assistance. You'd always be the guy, like, midfield right. behind the goalie or something. Isn't or... going to duff a striker and isn't going to, you know, duff a, a whatever, a shot, and then won't won't be a costly mistake on defense or something. Exactly. <laughs> stand in the, the center circle or whatever. Just stand there. <laughs> just keep kicking it back and in. And then uh, they put you in that line where you have to block it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're in the groin cover line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Enjoy that one. So I just thought that I thought it was really interesting. I, I was just going to get your opinion on it to see if you would play or not. And I think, yeah, I guess I'd do it for anything but football. Unless I could be a kicker because then – my kicks would be horrible, but there's no risk of injury there. So. Yeah, actually, I would do it for kicking. I think I'd probably have the most opportunity at that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'd be very yeah, good. Every but. other position, you're going to get destroyed as a, a regular Joe right. trying to play a professional sport, in, in football at least. And speaking of football, check out that segue. <laughs> you you uh, had picked out a, a story about Tom Brady talked he was grateful for the 2017 season even though it ended in a super bowl loss yeah he he posted an a long instagram uh post which to me actually revealed the side of um tom brady that i did not did not know that was there he was you know showing gratitude to uh, his teammates the coaches even the philadelphia eagles and the fans and so it was uh you know it's it's an attitude that's very you know, we as Christians are called to be grateful and, and he was showing that. And so, uh, 
I think that it, I, I was I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, and uh, raised my level of respect for Tom Brady. And I, we only have a little bit more on football because obviously it's over. The big event is done. But I saw this. This really uh, interested me. At least 32 players played every single snap for uh, either offense or defense. And I think there was only, of the 32, I think only four were defensive players. And then only uh, four as well? Or, I, I can't remember now. But there was only one QB, and that was Matt Ryan. Right. Yep. Because I think... Uh, and then the the guy that was off the list for the first time in like ten years, Joe, Joe Thomas. Thomas. Uh, so he he had the like ten thousand snaps, ten thousand plus snaps in a row before he tr- tore his triceps. But it was interesting to look because it was mostly offensive linemen. Interesting to see Matt Ryan on there and a few other quarterbacks only missed out by a few snaps, which I don't know. They didn't give reasons why. And well, then one. We know- Go ahead. I think you're going Eli to Eli Manning. Right. Yeah. The one was Eli Manning. I think the only snaps he missed was for when inexplicably they benched him per a game or the first half of the game before they realized how bad idea that was. Hey, what also surprised me is the number of offensive linemen. The list is dominated by offensive linemen. Uh, and so they, they. That surprises you? It does. Really? Because it's such Who a. Who do you think would usually play every single snap? I would think it'd be like wide receiver. Well, uh, that would those, probably... What happens is you get those heavy sets where it's like three tight ends and a fullback or something. You, you don't have oh, a wide receiver gotta, gotta, out gotta. there for that. Uh, oh, that's a good point mm-hmm. because of player substitutions. I wasn't. Th- right. I was thinking along the, the. And then I I notice a lot of times, especially after a guy has like a sixty yard gain, they'll have he's him gassed and they can't have coming out. Yeah, they'll have him step off, or sometimes. I've seen guys just come off the field because they just ran the route, and that took a lot out of them just from running. Even if they didn't get a catch, they're still – and then they're 60 yards upfield, so it's easy for them to just hop over the sideline. And so, pull, pull someone in, especially at the end of the game, right? Mm-hmm, stuff like that. So there was a couple – like they talked about like DeAndre Hopkins is one of the highest snap counts. He didn't hit them all, but he had some of the highest, especially in the last five years. But it was interesting. I'm really surprised that there was only one quarterback. I think they said last year four did it. Is Breeze, Manning. Uh, I would think it was uh, Matthew Stafford and Stafford Kirk Cousins. Stafford as well. And then, oh, Kirk Cousins. Oh, you said Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. So that's who did it last year. But I was surprised there was only one QB who did it. Um, well, and again, the big one would have been Eli Manning. He would have stayed on that list mm-hmm. if they and had made those He would have had his chases. start streak still intact exactly and so what are these quarterbacks because like breeze missed like five plays i think it said why would breeze come off a you wildcat know, might... package or something isn't aren't quarterbacks still out there for those right uh, some of them they are okay. most of them there are yeah. i you know maybe it's a situation where it was a you know he had to come out for a he had a injury quick you know you know oh, one he of those... down and they had to take him off because yeah, yeah who, who is that russell wilson had that Right. I, he missed other snaps as well, but Cam Newton had that as well, mm-hmm. where he came out for a quick second. But and he also missed other more, a lot more snaps than just that. So, I, anybody, anybody surprise you that was on there? Um, I had a guy surprise me. You know who it is. I told you already. 
I don't remember. The Bears offensive lineman. Well, well, I know you were, yeah, it does. I think it's, again, for me, it was just surprising how many offensive linemen. I mean, the list is dominated by offensive linemen. Right. It's, it's what, 27 of them, of the 32, I think, is what I saw. Right. There was only four who were not offensive linemen. You oh, so it was three, three defensive players and three Matt linebackers Ryan. and and Matt Ryan. Oh, okay, so it was four total. So two Cleveland Brown linebackers, which is uh, really yeah. I thought it was a Jet it's Christian Kirksley of the of the Cleveland Browns and Joe <laughs> Schobert of the Cleveland Browns, and then Demario Davis of the New York Jets. Okay, so. Again, they don't have many players there, right? That that can play. <laughs> I think it was, it was even even so two linebackers to play that many because it that means they've never went to a uh, what is it, a dime package where you only have one linebacker in. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they were I don't know. Maybe That's they were what I'm so saying. far they don't behind have or something. I don't players. know. But yeah, Charles Leno or Leno, Leno. Leno? I don't know. Probably it's Leno. Leno. It's spelled like Leno, like Jay Leno. But it, I the other interesting thing that I know is. is he was about a hundred snaps less than a lot of the other guys. He had he had Easily. only yeah, nine eighty eight, and a lot of them had well over a thousand. He and was like two hundred snaps the, uh, behind like the uh, Bears. Maybe the Bears weren't on offense that <laughs> well, and <laughs> right? they they weren't. And when they did, they would run the ball, so they would use up more clock time. True. So they, you I know, didn't even think of that. Yeah, they would. Yeah, the I think he yeah of the offensive lineman on here. Does he have the least number? Oh, no. the There's two there's some ba- Bengals, Bengals yeah. who actually fall below them. So he's mm-hmm. he's only ahead of the two Bengals offensive linemen in terms of the number of snaps he played. Well, we have the, uh, changing on you, we have the Olympics going on in South Korea. This is the end of week one coming up. When did they start? Uh, last Friday, I think, were the <sighs> opening ceremonies. So, yeah, this would be coming up on the end of week one is tomorrow. And... I'm getting worried. The Americans are, they're well behind in the medal count. They're, uh, who's leading? Norway is leading. They have like, last time I checked, which was earlier today, so that might have changed. But the the U.S. had like eight medals and Norway had like 17. So we need to, we need to pick up the slack. And we're not even like number two or number three. We're like number seven or six in medal count. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't we're, know. As I'm looking at it, we're number five. So we number come five. up. How many medals oh, do we actually, have? we're not uh, from gold's perspective. Uh, we have five gold. Uh, Norway has six. Germany has nine. Mm. So our medal count is actually yeah, it's significantly below Norway. We have eight total. They have seventeen total. Okay, so it hasn't changed yet today. Apparently, a lot of the ski events haven't been able to take place because of bad weather. So I saw that, and even like I was watching Sean White. And even they, the snowboarders were having to compete in really windy and kind of cruddy conditions. And so kudos to Sean White. He won a gold, became the first American male to win three golds at three different Olympics. Hmm. And uh, he could have probably had another record. But Must be Winter Olympics because it doesn't... Winter Olympics, sorry, yeah. Thinking this of Michael winter. Phelps or some of the oh, others. Oh, yeah. No, there's probably pl- plenty of guys that have done it in the, the summer. Sorry, Winter Olympics. He's the first guy to get it a medal a gold medal in three different games three different games and because he finished a disappointing fourth last year he didn't even medal last year you but last olympics four years <laughs> last olympics last four years ago whatever and so i guess uh it, it was pretty good i watched the there was this japanese guy that came really close to 
to beating him was considered like one of his main rivals. And then I think the other guy was Australian, but it was funny because they already knew that before Sean White's last run, they already knew that it was going to be, uh, white, this Australian and the Japanese, they already had all locked up the medals. It was just a matter of where which order white finished. If white, you know, got the gold or got the silver or whatever. So the other two guys were waiting to watch him. And the one, the Japanese guy's like five foot three. And the other snowboarder was like six foot one or two. The, it was just incredible. Yeah, your mom and I noticed that uh, they were we standing next to each other. And it's like the one guy looked like a kid out he there. He did. The Japanese guy looked, just he just tiny. looked young because he's so short. Yeah. So it was cool to see, uh, to see white win. Something I learned about snowboarding. I'm pretty sure this is legit. Cause I read it on a few different, uh, credible websites is that you cannot score a perfect 100 unless you are the last rider because the way it works is it's not really like a it's comparative it's something along those lines of it's not like you earn a score like um in other sports like gymnastics or something it's more like they grade them on relative to one another i guess so it's like if the last guy hasn't gone you can't be better than him and so the last guy always has the best shot of winning. And so I guess the Japanese guy was we, we got to get his name because I feel feel bad just keeping the on with the Japanese, Japanese guy. The Japanese guy. He was disappointed because he said if the roles had been reversed, he would have won because they did pretty much the same tricks. But because White went last, he gets the better score. Sort of thing is how it works. But well, and that's it's determined in qualifying. So it's like kind of got to tell the guy we'll do better in qualifying because White got a, like a ninety eight point five in qualifying which let him be the last guy to go for the medal, the medal rounds or whatever. So it, it's not like it's random or they just picked Sean White right. got to go last. You for, still could have the other. You can earn that privilege or that right to go last sort of thing. So I thought that was interesting that you cannot earn a 100. You could earn a 99 and you could still lose to the last guy because if he does what you did or maybe a little bit better, that you lose. So there is a huge advantage to going last in at least snowboarding half pipe. I don't know about the, all the other events in snowboarding or skiing with tricks, but I just thought that was interesting because it's way different than what I thought it was in terms of you just earn the score and you'll get that score no matter where you go. That's not how it works. So the, his name is Ayumo Hirano. Okay. Uh, and he, now we're done talking about he's him. He's so. noted for being the first man to land back-to-back 1440s. In competition. So at least I think they make that qualifier. Okay. And then the funny part is cause they, they say that and then he did that. And then Sean White did the same exact thing right after him. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was so cool. he was first for like two minutes, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. I was the first guy who did it. And then the guy who did it and won the gold medal. Yeah. And I, and we, I was watching, I tell you of all the sports, um, snowboarding was the one that I'm like, that's what I would cool. love to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the half pipe is pretty cool, but I almost like the guys who are going down the slope and I doing like all the, the using all the tricks yeah, on the what's that I don't called? know what it's called. Oh man, I forget because the we had an American win that for the men as well, Red Gerard. Yeah. <laughs> Did he, you see the the ordeal he went through to win that gold medal? He's seventeen years old, he oversleeps, he wakes up, he can't find his jacket. And I was talking to a Sounds friend. Sounds like a 17-year-old. Like, they're like, why is that a big deal? I'm like, he's a snowboarder. He kind of needs his jacket. So I don't. I never was able to find out if he borrowed somebody or did eventually find his own jacket. Couldn't find his jacket. 
gets how much stuff does he have in his room i know what, what typical you, teenager right just yeah. lo- what happened to, to your stuff uh, i don't know you know <laughs> so apparently he had slope s- style i think slope that's what it's yep that's what it's called they do tricks while oh he's going five around. five weighs 116 pounds smaller dude yeah yeah and so he apparently had stayed up late watching Netflix, and that's why he overslept. He sounds like and a then, snowboarder. <laughs> <laughs> Can't find his clothes, watching then, movies all night, <laughs> playing video games. He, he wins the gold and drops the F-bomb on live TV, which I didn't see that clip either, but I'm, I'm guessing it was a celebratory one because it was after he won it. But I'm like, this, this guy had some trouble at his first Olympics, but yeah, really cool to see him win gold. Go America. Apparently I brought this. I, I, I still say this. I've said this in the past. I think America is great at inventing sports that we can conquer at <laughs> the X games, which is what like snowboarding is at a exactly. lot of times. Well, and they're going to have skateboarding at the next summer Olympics so that Sean white mm-hmm. might compete at it again. <laughs> I think totally, you know, he's going to be old by then. He'll, he'll be 32, 33. By I don't the know what you're talking about. <laughs> Hey, that's, I want to be a snowboarder at the next Olympics. Hey, for athletes, that's old. Like people don't understand that. That when you say old and you're talking about an athlete, not saying that age is old. Right. That age and yeah, you get it. I don't know. Why I'm ta- telling you about it. But the other one I like is uh, it's called like snowboarding, snowcross or something. Snowboard. They actually race. It's a snowboarding oh, yeah, yeah. race. Have you seen that? Yes. I like that one too. Which I don't remember. When did they do that one? I don't know. They... Once we invented it. <laughs> 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 well, the other funny thing we're is we're inventing new things to do with snowboards, the, and they'll be in the next Olympics. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll actually invent a new device to we'll have sledding in it or something. Yeah, the snow tubing. I'm gonna be in that one. <laughs> snow tubing racing. That's basically luge. <laughs> Did we Which, invent that? Oh my goodness! You were talking about. I watched some of that. I, no skeleton where they're yeah. going head first, and their arms are next to them. Woo! Is it head first miles. or feet first? What's the feet head first? first. Uh, feet, feet first is the luge. So oh, skeleton. What's the one? Oh, that's bobsled where it's like a team. Bobsled, you're in a car. Right. Okay. <laughs> bobsled, luge, and then the skeleton. Yeah, those. That's really interesting. Sport. Bobsled, I get at least you're you're basically in a torpedo encasing. That looks cool. <clears throat> that looks fun. Um, but I the, was the s- other two, especially going head first. Yeah. Oh, I mean. I guess going feet first, just looking over your body is also... Well, at least if you hit a wall, you're not going into it with your head and neck. Yeah, just... Yeah, just but the I didn't realize Olympic women's, like the ski jump, you know, the ski jump where they just do the big air yeah. and they try and land, which another thing I learned, I'll tell you in a second, is women hadn't been doing it. I think it was 2014 was the first year women did it. Huh. I think it was only men before that, or it's very recent is what I read. And then the other thing is it's not purely on distance. I'm like, what a scam. Oh, really? You get, you max out. There's a certain distance where if you go that distance, you get your max 60 points. Okay. And then the other 60 points are on style. So if a guy's like (laughs) flying down the hill and his skis are flying all over the place, he's like waving his hands, looks super out of control. Even if he lands it and has the, he could get the greatest distance and he could lose because his style points might not be there. And I'm like, what a scam. It should just, however you can get the farthest down the hill, it should be the whole point of ski jump. Right? I'm going to wear a wingsuit. 
<laughs> you would set a quite a world record. Might get disqualified. I, I'd have to learn how to master how to use the thing first, <laughs> and wear those. Anyway. And I and I'd put little. I'd put a wingsuit between my skis. <laughs> I, I'd just to be a giant you might as well be parachute. A parachute at yeah. that point. But yeah, I thought I'm like that's done. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you usually had a parachute on. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were saying almost. Always, they didn't go very far back. The guy who went the farthest wins the style score because they found that typically the guy with the best style goes the farthest. That's dumb. If somebody finds like a wacky way to get down the hill the best way, it should be distance. That's the whole point, right? Right. Well, and they used to, I I think, I don't know if you're aware of this on that that jump thinging. Uh, what's What's the official sport called? I think it's just called ski jump. Ski jump. They used to be put their skis like parallel that's to what one this, another this thing and, was saying and i forget who the the person was who discovered that the oh v. you can go significantly farther if you get the v thing going mm-hmm. so yeah yeah because they uh they said that they talked about that guy who first started doing it and he would get major deductions for doing it but he would just crush everybody in the distance and that's when like who cares how you look going down the hill if you land it and you go the farthest that should be it, right? Exactly. Why are they introducing style points to all these sports that could be obje- the few that could be objectively measured, and they're adding style points to it? Leave leave the style points to things with tricks, you know. Ice skating. Yeah, ice skating. Well, all the snowboarding, skiing stuff. It'd be like you have the slalom or whatever. Well, they looked kind of sloppy going. No, they're the fastest down the hill. That's what it is. And I watched the. We the watched Super G slalom or whatever last night, and I'm telling you, they all look the same. <laughs> I'm like, you're watching them one after another, and I, you know, they had Bodie Miller doing the commentary on it. And I'm like, these guys, the only thing that's really cool about the technology that where you actually see differences is when they overlap them, mm-hmm. like after Love they've that. made their run, and then you can see them like, like side by side, or yeah, yeah, right, you know, they that is a really cool use of technology you watch them going out and you're like this is boring they all look the same oh he was 0.5 seconds slower he was you know one point like, oh look at that little bobble like and there's what bobble exactly <laughs> oh he's digging in skis a little bit too much he's losing some speed i'm like i'm not seeing this <laughs> well except for when the guy's like tumbling down the hill with the skis <laughs> oh that guy looks a little different <laughs> he's lost a little bit of speed there. <laughs> <laughs> he's turned into one of those giant snowballs from cartoons but well the the most people know that the men's Olympic teams, all of them, the NHL said, we're not taking a break. We're not sending players. So every country is without their NHL players for the men's hockey. And it has shown, I mean, the, the quality of play is, is pretty putrid compared to what you're used to. You basically went from all-star teams. These are basically all-star teams to guys that are like, they have Brian Gianta for the men's super old. They have guys that are in college, guys that are playing in, european leagues or something and so the the men they played tonight as well i don't know what, how they finished but they lost to slovenia their first game and so the i don't know what the, what they're going to do there the women are doing a little bit better they lost again to canada oh uh, did they we watched the, the first period yeah, of that they game lost last two night. to one but they outshot them like 50 to 20 it was a very we, again we watched the first period obviously it ended zero zero uh competitive they in the first half there of the first period they looked really good I will say that some kind of like inconsistent. 
I mean, I mostly watch men's hockey, so I don't know all the women's well, the hockey rules. But to get used to in the women's hockey is no checking. You're always waiting. Right. You're looking for these spots where they, in, it's almost like I describe it as soccer checking because they're allowed yeah. to bump into each other, but it's not the you target. Can't be in, they, yeah, they're, if it's intent, if they deem it to be intentional, then it's a penalty. And I'm always in these situations where it would be good. It would be a good strategy to check, and they they don't, and it just looks. I haven't watched enough women's hockey, but it looks out of place because they're not checking. Right, they're in situations in, that typically would involve checking. Growing up playing hockey, they don't watch the puck. Don't you know? Don't fish for the puck. Take the man. It's like that's all they do in women's hockey is fishing for the puck, watching for the puck. It's what they have to. I mean, they're really talented. I'm not gonna. Trying. Yeah, they are. They're very good skaters. It just very is, good. It's unusual to watch it's a different the game style of play. When you only watch men's hockey, yeah, exactly, and you're used to uh, the the physical part of the game that does not exist there. I mean, it, it exists differently without the checking. You know who would have been eligible for the Olympics? Well, actually, or no, he is. technically wouldn't. It's Yarmir Yager. He's, he is, I, I guess, I don't know how it would work. He's still under contract with the Flames, but they actually sent him to play for HC Kladno, uh, the first level of what what league is it? I forget. He actually played there as, as a younger person, I think, when he was like in his teens, if I remember correctly. But he, so he's not playing in the NHL. He's unlikely to be called back up, and then he's, not on her contract after this season. And it, it, I mean, if you follow hockey, you know, Yarmir Yager is probably the third best player, definitely in the top five to ever play the game of hockey. He's played it for an incredible amount of time, been very dominant at it to, to play it for 24 years. You have to be pretty good at it. Yeah. And so it's sad to see him get sent back. I wouldn't be surprised though. If somebody signs him, another NHL team signs him and he gets some more NHL time. I that wouldn't surprise me, but at this point it looks like he's done with his NHL career. It, it'd be hard to pick a team for him to retire. Like for him him to retire his jersey or to sign a one-day contract and retire with because he's played for all of them. <laughs> well, who, probably the Penguins is probably the one. That's say that's who he made his yeah. career with probably. Stanley Cup champion and early his early dom- very dominant years were with them. But this is, I, I, br- I bring him up because I was reading, they had 68 amazing facts about Yarmir Yager. His number is 68. That's the reason they chose that number. And most of them were kind of repetitive or not really that interesting. The one I found the most interesting, he's never had a fighting major. Oh. 24 years. And he played in the 90s, pretty much the entire 90s and all the 2000s to 2010, almost over three complete decades, obviously 24 years where there was a lot of fighting and for him to never fight. That's incredible to me. That, even, that is uh, amazing. Right. Even you say he's not a fighter, even non fighters usually have a very weak, you know, throw a couple punches and go serve five minutes. And then they also say well, that someone wouldn't pick a fight with him. That's one of the other things is not only I mean, you'd have not be a fighter, but that you didn't I guess tick if you someone just else don't off. Drop the gloves. You can't get into a fight. But yeah, it, it, it's just to me, it's it's incredible that you play twenty four. And it's not like he played sparingly over twenty four years. He had like seventeen hundred games played or something. And the other, it was the other crazy thing is he's only had three major penalties. It's a lot. It's it is a lot harder to get a major penalty. It's the five minute uh, penalty. It's usually for something really egregious. And it was. I think high sticking for two of them, and one was a, a boarding call or something. So very clean player. Very clean. I mean, never fought, and that's it. That is just insane to me. And I'm not saying 
I do like fighting in the sport of hockey. I'm not a huge fan of the the two six five guys growing out going out and brawling every game. That's not entertaining. Right, I like there are two enforcers going at it. Right, I, I'm entertained when it's like two guys get really heated or somebody does something really dirty, and that's how they kind of pay them back. Is you're gonna get punched in the face, and so some people don't like it. I, I like it. I don't like the like staged fighting almost, but I do like when the kind of it's like the opposite of every other sport like if you lose your cool and you fight every other sport is severely punished in hockey it's almost you do get the five minute major but yeah it's encouraged to that's how you you don't slash a guy you don't run him cross check him in the face you punch him (laughs) (laughs) that's let's just do it clean (laughs) clean fight you know not dirty punch him in the face Which also, I, I don't know if you have an opinion, it's probably it gets harder and harder the long, the, with the face masks as well, similar to football. That is a I mean, a it clearly it was different when they had no helmets and then when they just wore the, the helmet that uh, covered their head, but mm-hmm. almost all of them now uh, it, wear, wear a face that's mask. That's what I see more, more than ever, and it is because there's less of these just tough guys. But you'll see guys fight, and the one guy will look like he's win pretty dominantly but he'll end up all bloody because he'll punch the other dude's visor or just be hitting his helmet and he'll scrape up his knuckles or that's the only way guys get bloody is you'd think getting punched in the face would make you bloody usually they hit the visor and the visor comes down and smacks them on the bridge of their nose and cuts open their nose Uh. so it it, it has changed because the rule change any guy you will at one point there will be no more guys that aren't wearing the half shield at the very least. It's a rule. I can't remember what the age cutoff is. I think it's like if you were in the NHL before 2014 or okay. something, and you had to accrue a certain amount of games before that, I and everybody's grandfathered in, obviously. So I don't know the exact rule, but eventually, yeah, you'll see no guys without a visor anymore. Right, same and, thing and with that's helmet. Gonna it was the gonna same. kill fighting because right. nobody wants to punch a dude in the – yeah, the equivalent of fighting in football, you really have to be ticked mm-hmm. off, and and it's you're not going to hurt them. That's right. the thing. It's a little bit less because all it has to cover is like just below the eyes, so you still got the nose and mouth. Right, but a lot of and the you guys can tear are going off with the, the helmet pretty easy. Sure, it's only got the one strap, but so it's just a change of of the game too. Guys are too fast nowadays. They don't have they don't they're skill players. Every guy out there is a skill player. There's no no room for a guy to just go off and punch each other so i don't know it, it'll eventually die out it'll probably make me sad but it won't ever die out completely but it'll be very rare did you want to talk about the blackhawks at all let's really quick how would you feel about a team in seattle a new nhl team i didn't i can't say i really had an opinion other than the reading- interesting twist i don't think i've ever seen this maybe you have you've seen more expansion teams you know, over the last hundred years, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> but the uh, Seattle would be doing it jointly as a basketball rink or a basketball arena and a hockey rink, which would probably mean they'd get both an NBA and an NHL franchise within very short time span of each other. The I group think that's doing, they built like a six hundred million. They put a six hundred million dollar investment into upgrading the the current stadium from the SuperSonics. <clears> I think. <throat> I don't know that they'll get an NBA franchise. I think they're setting themselves up for one and want the stadium to be able to accommodate both, as as I okay. read it. And I don't – I haven't heard – I mean, 
Yeah, I haven't heard anything about uh, See, the and NBA was, wanting to expand, and so I, was I can't say anything because I know about the Seattle Supersonics being there before. I had never heard of a professional Seattle hockey team, and they actually have a really weird heritage. There was a, I'm blanking on the name now. I was looking at them, and they're the Seattle something or others. I can't. Uh, uh, Metropolitans. Th- there you go. The Seattle Metropolitans back in the early 1900s, basically 1917. 100 years ago. They're the first American team to win the ago. Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And then not only that, they would have played for it again two years later, but the Stanley Cup World was... War One or something? Uh, it was a flu epidemic is what I oh, saw. Oh, okay. Uh, this is Wikipedia, but probably cre- credible. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And I was always confused because I thought the New York Rangers were the first American team to win it. They were actually the first American team in the NHL era, which started in 1927. Okay. So, yes and no, Seattle won the first, Amer- or the first American so team are, to win the Stanley Cup. Are there Cup. names in, on that, uh, on the yeah, Stanley I wouldn't Cup? Know. I know because they change out the... The rings? Yeah, so it doesn't become like a 15-foot tall trophy. <laughs> so they probably have the rings somewhere, I'm assuming. I, I I don't really know the history of the cup that well. I don't know. When, I'm assuming it's as old as the game because it's Lord Stanley's Cup. Right. It was named after the guy back in like the late you know 1800s, 1893 or something is when they said the first Stanley Cup game was played. And if it was called the Stanley Cup, right? So I, I don't know about the cup history. I guess I should have brushed up on that before we yeah, talked we're good. about it. Yeah, we'll just make up some conjecture, and that'll that'll serve us well. But I, I thought it was really cool. I didn't know Seattle had any sort of hockey heritage at all. I know I'm familiar with the Portland Winterhawks, which is they're not affiliated with the Blackhawks, but they're they're a major junior team in Portland, which is kind of close to Seattle. So <laughs> they they have an interesting claim to history i'm sure they'd play that up if seattle got a team yeah they should i think that would be you know make sense for them to to build on that do you think the uh so they they projected it for like 2021 or 2020 season or something like that so very few years here do you think las vegas would have to pony up some players for the expansion draft yeah i think so i'd feel so robbed (laughs) the expansion team and then another one expands like three years after you and you have to sacrifice some players to well the way they're playing i don't know that they uh other teams would feel that it would be unfair if they didn't give up some of their mm-hmm. players for the <laughs> for the expansion. It's a crazy. I can't believe they're doing so well. I still don't want them to win the Stanley Cup because uh, I just don't want them to join the club. But <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's they're hard leading to root the Pacific them. Division by seventy eight points and actually have the second most in the yep league after the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. So they're they're doing great. They're on a collision course for the Stanley Cup, and you can't even say they don't have playoff experience because maybe the franchise doesn't but a lot of their players do and gerard gallant does as well so it'll be interesting to see come playoff time because they have veteran players they have good players on there that have i mean uh so they have james neal who i'm pretty sure won a stanley cup with the penguins if i'm not mistaken i know he played for them i can't remember when so you got guys on there i think that are stanley cup winners even I think Marcus Kruger is on there, but he might have gotten demoted recently. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be cool to see. It. What will be sad is the Blackhawks are probably not going to be in the playoffs. This would have been their 10th straight season. So it's really sad to see. They've lost eight in a row. Yeah, it's been and, tough. <laughs> including tonight, they lost again to the uh, 
California. Uh, I'm in a, a blank here. They, the Anaheim Ducks, right? Yep. Isn't that who they played? Yeah. Yeah, they, they lost Anaheim tonight. Yeah. Ugh. So they have, I mean, the close game, three to two. I mean, they have lost some bigger scores. Oh, to yeah. They lost. Poor teams. In they fact, lost. They were up five two to, to one. two to Coyotes or something. No, uh, I think it was six to one to the Coyotes, but they lost to Vegas five to two. They were up two to one in the third period and gave up four goals in the third period. Right. And I know that you have never, not historically been a fan of Corey Crawford, oh, but it, their goaltending has not been. I'm, I, I'm glad. I don't think I've talked any smack about him on the podcast so at least i don't think it's in That's permanent true. record but i miss him so much <laughs> i never thought i'd say that but he was having a great season he, he went was. down december 27th he's had he's been battling concussion symptoms which have to be the worst because there's not really much you can do about it and this is where i know we've had this debate before but i i like that they don't have a lot of info on players injury reports in hockey I'm a fan of that. It's, it's not agree. anybody's business. I actually think it would be this. I would do the same for all the other sports. Oh, I thought we disagreed on this. No, I, I think that they, huh. I was one who said they, I don't know that they should say it. They need to even say, you know, they say upper body injury. So, right. You know, well, I, see, and that's why I, I think I've told this story before, but my favorite is I think it was the Canucks and I think it was John Tortorella and basically said that a player had a bodily injury. And the, the commentators were like, well, we're glad that it's not something, you know, emotional keeping him off the ice yes. tonight. And the, I, but I added a story to that. I guess Joe Quinnival has a, had a pretty funny one too. There was a forward for the Blackhawks a few years ago. I think it was like 2009. So it's been a little bit of time. And I think he broke his leg or broke his foot during the game. And uh, Joe Quinnival, you know, of course was like, yeah, you know, Adam Burrish, he had a little bit of a, an injury. It's a lower body injury. So we'll see how he is day to day. Adam Burrish walked out behind him in the shot wearing like a boot, you know, one of those like air boots. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. He's going to be lacing up the skates. You know, he's day to day. All right. He's got a broken foot. He's in a a body cast. (laughs) (laughs) They're wheeling him out on a stretcher into an ambulance, you know? So Uh, anyways, yeah, I've been really missing Crawford because the, the goal, they've been trying this guy named Anton Forsberg, who they got in the Scott Darling trade, hasn't worked out, has a low 900 average. And then this guy named Jeff Glass, who's clearly, I think he's not even in the 900s. I think he's in the high 800s. That's sure. Jeff Glass, I'm pretty sure. is like 899. Right, exactly. It doesn't give, if you don't know what that, a good goalie, what Crawford was doing before he went down with injury was about 926. A real good goalie will be from, you know, 920 to even into the 940s and 950s a really bad goalie is low 900s into the that's unseen in the nhl is the 800s you don't see that number and i think a league average is probably around 910 that's about if you're not saving 91 percent or more of the shots you face you're not going to last very long yeah crawford had a 929 save percentage 929? okay I was close. and, and uh, glass has 898 and Anton Forsberg has 907. So 907. So he's a. So they, I think they, with, said he they rank 53rd and 46th in the lead, respectively. Yeah. Which, again, there's, there's only not 30 that... teams, uh, 31 now with Las Vegas. They're worse than some teams' backups. It's. it's they're, no, they're worse than all their backups. Well, unless some of the starters are down there. Uh, you know, it's. Yeah, they've not performed well. And right. Crawford picked up a defense that was struggling. They. And you know, hey, what we what I posted in there is most people are, are this analysis is saying that Chicago does not need to look at you know completely reconfiguring their team. 
that they are they're actually working in a lot of young guys, um, getting them in the rotation and getting them an experience. And certainly, if they can get Crawford back and have these guys become productive uh, for the next year, they're they're not that far off. They're, they're no, you know, and they would have made the playoffs. I would guarantee it if Crawford had been healthy and played you know the 60 games that he would have usually played 60 to 70 they would have made the playoffs i don't know how deep they would have gone because yeah their team just hasn't had it this year all of them have struggled even kane and taze have struggled this year and so top to bottom it's and then but you're right they they did get very young they were able to trade some guys and flip some guys because even that panarin sod trade they got younger with that trade even though sod had more years in the nhl because Panarin obviously came over as a 24-year-old from the KHL, I think. Okay. And so it was interesting to see that, yeah, they've, they've gotten the roster a lot younger and faster, which is not their M.O. typically. And so it's just you been know, tough. You, you lost Crawford. They also lost uh, Hosa, Hosa. You know, so and so a lot of factors come to impact the fact that they've not been a very good team mm-hmm. this year. But and they, I mean their defensive core, you know, Chalmerson left. Uh, Oduya was old, but also left. So Chalmerson didn't leave on his own accord, of course. Well, I mean he's gone. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was traded. So you've seen even Brent Seabrook struggle, who's usually a defensive stalwart. He even got uh, he he got scratched for a game. And I don't know what. I mean that's obviously something internal must have happened, and Joel Quinnable was clearly punishing him. So they've. Their, their D has suffered a little bit in terms of just age and well, injury. And again, you talk about young. It, it said that during a, a, a recent game stretch, 14 consecutive Blackhawk goals were scored by players under the age of 23. That's incredible. So it, granted, it does show that they're developing their younger players and giving them an opportunity to get on the ice. Granted, the NHL is different than, well, it's only different than football, but it is different than other sports where you do see a decent amount of teenagers play they can play starting at 18 in the nhl but usually they're really good but even under the age of 23 they're still very good to play in the yeah, nhl at correct you know below 23 is really you you wouldn't see a lot of teams with that many guys unless it was one guy scoring all the goals true but, true so, so yeah i think that they're it's an unfortunate season but uh if you're a blackhawks fan it's it's not it's not all bad news. No, it's and that's where I'm like I I like the roster. I'm looking at it. It's weird. I look at it and I'm like I don't know any of these guys. There's like seven guys that I remember from last year, and I know some of them have come up through their system. They're young guys that have always been a Blackhawk. There's some new guys that they got in trades, but yeah, even these young guys, I have a lot of them didn't play last year or played very little. Did you know? Last year. Uh, and I'm not sure if I'll get his name right. Alex DeBrincat. Uh, yes, and you did say his name right, and. He was a, um, he's a, he was drafted. I think he's 19. He's pretty young. Right. And he's, he's second on the team in scoring only mm-hmm. behind Kane and, yeah. you know, he's fourth in total points. So he's a very good player. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I liked the team. I mean, I miss some of those old guys from those original or those early cups. And even the one in 2015, the roster is completely different from that 2015 Stanley cup, but they've been feeling it without Crawford. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully he just gets healthy and uh, you don't, you don't want anybody to experience those symptoms, even if no, you know, no, they don't ever come back to play hockey. You wouldn't want him to have to suffer through that forever. But hopefully he can come back, play some hockey. <laughs> Agreed. But I was, and that's what I'm really sad about. I'm like, the Hawks could have 
challenged Detroit's, you know, 25 postseasons in a row or something. Oh, yeah. And they lost nice. out at 9 or 10. Couldn't even make it to double digits, but oh, well. We went really long tonight. Did we? Yeah. Well, it is, it is pretty late. All right. You want to sign us off? Well, have a great night or good morning. Says someone noted that they don't necessarily listen to the podcast <laughs> at night. Yeah, whatever you are, thanks for listening. <laughs>